0: Chapter 15, Prophecies Did you see him? William asked quickly as he ran past me, as if the guy was going to magically reappear from somewhere. He turned back. I stared at him, but couldn't answer. Did you see him? Just now? William repeated, and my voice finally found its footing. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I thought I was losing my mind. It was... it was Brayden, but it, it wasn't... He, uh, he came to me too, inside. He stuttered his way through the sentence. I'd never seen him like this before. Is he flustered? Braden? Braden. Uh, Lady in blue, Quarry Braden. My best friend, Braden. You saw us at the movies the other night, Braden. So you were there. Good. I thought I imagined it or something, I said, relieved. He stared at me, irritatedly amused. Really not the point, though, I said quickly. Sorry. I don't know what Braden looks like. Or, well, now I do, but I didn't, so it's not like I would have recognized him. William stood next to me, nervously excited, anxious, doing that thing where he spoke really quickly and I could only catch pieces of what he said. He started walking toward the parking lot and I followed. Braden is Lucian, obviously. He comes from a long line of seers, William began. He was plagued with visions as a child, and it became clear he wasn't an ordinary seer. He's relevant. Vital, even. To our cause. It was he who predicted your return. He was the one that first brought the prophecy about you back into the light. What's the prophecy? You. I groaned in frustration, wondering how much longer he was going to play this game of vague answers, or how much longer I was going to be annoyed but let him get away with it. I want it. I want to read it, or see it, or hear it, or whatever, I said. What did Braden say to you? He asked, not listening whatsoever to what I'd said. The earth will cry, the skies will bleed, and she alone can stop it, I said. His eyes danced around the parking lot. It was weird, to say the least, to see him in this state. And what did you mean it was him, but it wasn't? He licked his lips. This was a conversation meant for off-school grounds. "'Get your car,' he said, climbing onto his motorcycle. Soon we were back at my house, and he continued the conversation like there hadn't just been fifteen minutes of silence between us. He proceeded to talk in very thorough detail about the growing-up process of Lucian's. I mentioned that I'd read a bit about them in his journal Book Thing, and his lips curled into a smile." He was impressed I'd actually done some of the reading. I grinned. He went into a deeper explanation of newborns, fledglings, betweeners, and finally elders. Time on Iriana moves much differently than time on Earth, and we also age far differently. The amount of years spent in each stage is far greater, he explained, and when I nodded, he continued. The only way to easily describe it is to say that for every year on Earth, essentially an equivalent of a hundred pass in Lucia, he said. So are you, like, 1900 years old? I asked. He said nothing, and that was answer enough for me. I groaned, and he raised his eyebrows toward me. What? Being a teenager for seven years sucks. 700? Ugh, I said, and he shook his head a small grin appearing on his face. When a seer reaches the elder stage, they are able to project themselves and their visions upon others, sometimes completely unknowingly, William continued. Wrapping my head around all this was a lot, to say the least. He told me part of the prophecy, too, a different part. What did he say to you? I asked, surprised. Two champions shall rise among you and the night shall finally find redemption. Hours passed as we went over and over the pieces of the prophecies shared with us until they no longer made sense or even sounded like words. And thus, without so much as a single look back, I had married myself to a cause and a war. Finally, after we couldn't think about the prophecies anymore, William gave me more details about Braden and said he would have him over to meet me. Good idea, considering, I replied. He invited me to come around for dinner the next week, promising he'd bring as many around as knew about me and the prophecy. Then his face fell, and his tone became graver. We are few. The eyes and ears all over Iriana, all over all the realms, are many, waiting patiently for all the information on you they can gather. I wondered if these eyes and ears already knew that William and I had been meeting in secret. I wondered if they knew that I finally knew my true nature. When the sun began to set, I decided it was probably time for William to go home. There wasn't much more we could discuss, and my brain was pretty much melting out my ears at this point. I walked with him to his bike, and he turned to me. This. If you… For the first time, he was speechless damn. I would have thought it would be funny to see him struggle for words because he was so well-spoken, but it was rather heartbreaking. I knew what he was trying to say. If I had wanted an out, I would have taken one, I said, looking straight into his eyes. Besides, I wasn't lined up to do anything so great with my life, I said, shrugging. He offered a laugh, but his eyes were saying, yes, you were. He turned and straddled the back of his motorcycle. I didn't know where the impetus came from, but I reached out and put my hand atop his and squeezed. He turned to me, flipping his hand over and closing it around mine. We stared at each other for a moment. Something profound had grown between us. Something I hadn't seen us building. Something I didn't expect. His eyes spoke of ages I had never seen told stories I didn't know if I could ever fully know. I leaned forward and pushed my lips against his. They were soft, and it felt like my whole body was lighting up like Christmas morning. Ugh, how cheesy. We lingered for a few seconds, enjoying the warm comfort of the kiss. Then he pulled away. My cheeks flushed with embarrassment. Sorry, I said sheepishly. No, no, I just... This is all so much more complicated than you know right now. I don't know if I'm... If I could... He touched my cheek. There's a storm coming, he said with great brevity. Yeah, isn't that what we've been talking about all this time? No, I mean... He pointed to the sky as the thunder clapped. There's a storm coming. He smiled and fully seated himself onto his bike. Big drops began to fall as I watched him pull away. There certainly is. I spoke to no one in particular, and everything inside of me screamed and was at peace, all at once. I looked up. A thunderstorm. Strange, for this time of year. No weirder than anything else at this point. My heart contracted in my chest, telling me I was setting myself up for failure with this endeavor. Could we really fight a queen and all her men? Then a flimsy idea started to form in my mind. I ran into my room and began tearing apart my closet. Boxes of shoes? No, not in there. A few boxes of old photographs and albums? Nope, not in there. I had to have the picture somewhere. Those drawings that I did in my sleep study had to tell us something. I ripped apart yet more boxes, tore through old journals and notebooks, but I couldn't find them. I flopped down into the mess, sighing as I did. Think. Think. The last time I had them out was to show Bridget and Caroline, and I couldn't remember where I put them after that. Surely I hadn't thrown them away. I spent another 40 minutes searching, but eventually had to give up. I couldn't remember. Perfect. A while later, after Mom got home and she and I prepared dinner, she asked about my day. Shrugging, I said I didn't do much except write a paper for school. Then she asked me something I could tell she had been waiting to ask. When Sophia was moving back. A tight ball formed inside my chest, moving up into my throat. I coughed. Last I talked to her she said, in a month or two? I tried to focus more on the peppers I was dicing, afraid if I looked at my mom, everything would come rushing out. But I guess her parents keep going back and forth between wanting her mom to come back or stay there. I think she said she's having mood swings about it or something. I said, now trying desperately to sound flippant, detached from the whole situation, though I was far from it. But if you ask me, I think that she and Soph should just pack up and come back, if that's what her doctor thinks is best for her. I shrugged and left the end of the sentence lingering. The ball in my chest expanded when she said, "'And William?' That tone. That slightly high-pitched, I'm-asking-about-your-relationship-without-really-asking tone. "'I don't know,' I sighed, eyes still glued to the peppers. I don't know what to do about him, about Sophia. Have you two talked about it? Yeah. Kind of. I mean, we did. She's even met William. We talked about not being together. We decided that was best, but... She doesn't know you may be seeing, seeing William? I'm not seeing, seeing William. I don't think. Not really. But, yeah. I answered after a short pause. I see. Well, you're young. You're not married to anything or anyone. Except a giant war, I thought. Yeah, I said. I just meant that you don't have to go around stomping hearts before you even know what you want. Or what they want. Sophia may move back and want nothing to do with you. Thanks, Mom. I said flatly, finally pulling myself away from the dicing. Oh, not like that, Mom said, taking the cutting board from me and sliding the peppers into a pan. They sizzled. I feel you, friends. But you just said you decided not to be with each other. You never know. Maybe you'll be better off as friends. It could be done. That's what you were before. How was this woman not my biological mother? We had such a similar smile, such similar ways of walking, talking, and joking. I was so much like her, and yet... were not related at all. The idea pulled at my heart. She was my mother. She raised me. She would die for me and I her. We loved each other unconditionally. I couldn't ask for more. What? She asked after a moment. I realized I'd been staring at her. Nothing, I said, and while I knew she could sense something going on beneath the surface, she didn't push. The next day was difficult, at best. I couldn't focus in my classes. I found I didn't care much about anything we were learning. Before lit, I talked with Erin and asked if she wouldn't mind my coming late. I wanted to speak with Miss Roca about something. Bring me a note she said, and I nodded, heading to Miss Rocha's office as the bell rang. Her door was closed, and it was clear she was in the middle of a conversation with another student. I sat on the bench to her office, waiting impatiently, my foot tapping in anticipation. When her door finally opened, I jumped up too quickly and crashed right into Tony. I couldn't hide my look of surprise. She usually shoved it in my face every chance she got that I talked with the school counselor. Her eyes were a bit teary, and instead of saying a snide remark, she simply plowed through me and marched away. "'Come in, Amy,' Miss Rocha said, ushering me inside and sitting behind her desk. I sat down in front of her, feeling both confused and a little stupid about why I was there. The first thing out of my mouth was, "'What's up with her?' I said, pointing behind me, referring to Tony. Ms. Rocha gave me the you-know-I-couldn't-tell-you-that look. Oh, right. Sorry, I replied sheepishly. When she asked what I wanted to talk about, my nail scratched along the arms of the chair nervously. I stared at my feet. She sat patiently while I gathered my thoughts together, but it wasn't phrasing what I wanted to talk about that was my problem. It was what I wanted to talk about itself. What would you do if, um, something completely impossible happened to you? Like, something fantastical that you would have never seen coming, that you never would have imagined? She looked at me, unsure. What if you went to a place so unfathomable and unreal, but completely tangible? I finished. Are you asking if I've ever done drugs? Miss Rocha asked, almost laughing. I sighed, half out of humor, half out of exasperation. No, I just... I want to know if you've ever had anything happen to you that you never thought could happen. Like... Like... You find out that you're someone... different. I said it with such finality that it almost brought the conversation to a close. Miss Roka looked at me, intrigued. Sure. Kind of. She began. When I graduated from school, my parents really wanted me to get a higher medical degree. She shrugged. They wanted their little girl to be a gainfully employed psychiatrist. I thought I wanted that, too. And I tried. I went to grad school for a bit. Her tone became lighter, lofty. But then, the more I thought of it, the more I wanted to go back to high school, to offer you guys something I never had. Someone to talk to who's not that far removed from all of you. Someone who wouldn't judge you or shove stuffy books under your noses with stuffy definitions of your problems. I nodded, but her answer wasn't what I was looking for. Does that help at all? She asked, now a little bit unsure of what she said. Yeah. No. I don't know. I can't quite phrase what's going on with me right now. Not without sounding, you know, insane. She stared, waiting for me to continue. No, it would actually make me sound crazy. I stood up to gather my things, flustered at this point. Ms. Roka stood up, too. Amy. Amy. She continued to repeat my name until I looked up. Sit back down. Sit down. She pointed to the seat. Aaron and I have talked about you. God, am I the only thing people in this town talk about? I asked, everything inside me bubbling up again, threatening to overflow. She's concerned about you. She likes you. Only because I do so well in her class. No, let me finish, she scolded. She likes you because you're bright in general. I agree. No one thinks you're crazy. Least of all me. In fact, I find you altogether almost too sane and mature for your age. Thanks, I guess, I thought. So, no, I'm not going to judge what you're about to say or suggest you be put in some kind of ward. If you need to talk, that's what I'm here for. While the words were comforting to hear, she still never expected me to say, Oh, well, I have a twin who lives in another realm, and she's this horrible, pissed-off queen hell-bent on causing suffering to everyone, and she's going to take down every realm in her path, including ours, to find me unless I stop her. I had no idea why I came to this office in the first place to talk about it. William was the only one who could help me for now. I looked up at Miss Roca, knowing I still had to say something. Sophie is moving back soon, and I'm not the same person I was. I'm just scared she'll come back and I'll break her heart or something. Stupid, really. I said flatly. She looked at me for a second and sighed. I could tell she only really half-bought what I was saying. Just let it go, please. Amy, I think with everything going on right now, a knock rapped on her office door, interrupting. I'm with a student, she called. I stood up. No, it's okay, I'll answer it. It could be important. I half-joked. I opened the door, and there she stood. Charming, warm, a backpack and papers in hand. Soph, I said, barely even registering that my mouth was moving. Hey. Hey.